and text uh, today. Hallelujah. First Kings 19, verses 1 and 2. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, also how he had executed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. Hmm. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. Help me pray for God's anointing to rest upon me today. Lord, as we come today, we thank you and we praise you, Lord. It's a privilege to be in your house today. We thank you, God, for those that are here. We pray for those that are absent. Miss them today. Now, God, as we uh, for the next few minutes as we get into your word, I pray for your anointing to rest upon us. Because, God, nobody knows more than me, God, how much I depend upon you, your presence, your spirit. I'm asking you to speak to us today, God. Let your anointing just fall. Touch every heart, uplift every soul, God, by your spirit and through the word. And everything's accomplished. We give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Does the church say Amen. You can be seated. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Everybody just turn your hands towards the standing right now. Let's just pray for God to touch your body right now. God, let there be a healing right now, Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. Right now, God, just touch right now, God. Heal right now, God, from the top of her head to the sole of her feet. Right now, Lord. In the mighty name of Jesus, let there be a release right now, God. Praise your name. Praise your name. Praise your name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. Bless me. My sister Edna right now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. God's a healer. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. I want to speak to you today on a subject... Uh, entitled, Reacting to the Adversary's Threats. Reacting to the Adversary's Threats. I don't know how many under the sound of my voice today has ever been threatened by anybody. Uh, if you've ever had a threat posed at you, uh, you can understand more or relate more uh, to the title, I guess, of this message. But every one of us who are children of God and are born again as spirit-filled believers have an adversary. The Bible said your adversary, the devil. He names the adversary. Your adversary, the devil, like a roaring lion, seeking, going about seeking whom he may devour. Hallelujah. Um, the story here is found about um, Elijah the prophet. And... Uh, what had previously happened, uh, Elijah had confronted uh, the children of Israel and all the false prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel just previously to that. And uh, you'll recall the story that um, uh, Elijah 
spoke to the people and he asked them a question. He says, how long are you going to halt between two opinions? How long are you going to pitch this thing back and forth? He said, you know, that's all you've been doing. One time it's God, Jehovah God, and the next time it's Baal. He said, how long are you going to keep halting between two opinions? He said, if God be God, serve God. That's simple. That's simple. He said, and if Baal be God, serve Baal. Amen. He says, I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll put both gods to the test. He says, we'll, well, he said, we'll let all the prophets of Baal do their thing, and, uh, and, uh, and the God who answers by far, we'll let him be God. And they agreed that. And everybody knows the story of Elijah and, uh, and his encounters with the infamous Jezebel. And I'm not going to linger very much on the points of that story because everybody uh, knows that story because that's not uh, uh, the purpose of this message today. But what I, I'm going to do, I want to relate to Elijah's reaction to Jezebel's threat to have him killed within a 24-hour period. That's what I want to talk about today. This great man of God by the name of Elijah, a man who moved under the anointing with miracles like nobody else up to that present time had ever been used by God. And uh, when Jezebel found out that uh, what had happened and that Elijah had all her prophets killed, the false prophets there, had them all slain, Then she sent a word. She threatened Elijah, the prophet, the man of God. And she says, So do the gods unto me, and more so, if by this time tomorrow your life is not like one of those that you have killed. And so she put out her threat. Uh, She sent the threat out. And what, what did... Elijah do? How did he react to the adversary's threat? Well, as Festus would have put it, he got out of Dodge. Amen. He didn't linger. And his decision, there's a lot about this that I've seen a lot of people overlook in preaching and teaching about Elijah. Uh, But Elijah's decision to run ultimately ended his ministry. Elijah did not do a whole lot after this thing had happened. When you follow where he went to, how he traveled and, and everything, um, uh, uh, you, can, you can see that the days of his ministry was, uh, was about over because God soon chose a successor to take up Elijah's mantle, which we all know was Elijah. Now, Satan attempts to threaten and intimidate God's children on a regular basis. Amen. Any way he can threaten you, any way he can intimidate you, amen, he's going to do it. And I know for a fact there are a lot of people sitting on the side of my voice right now. You've allowed the devil to intimidate you to keep you from doing something that God laid on your heart to do in the church. Hallelujah. We'll, we'll cover it up and say, well, they just shine backward. No, they ain't shine backward if they're Holy Ghost-filled child of God. What it was, the devil intimidated them, and they listened to the devil's threat. That's what it was. That's the only thing it can be. 
Uh, Satan attempts to threaten and intimidate God's people all the time. And the manner in which we react to the adversary's threat will ultimately set the course of our destiny and whether we end up a victim or a victor. Hallelujah. Amen. I think everybody in here, when you take those two terms over, victim or victor, I believe everybody wants to get on the side of being a victor. Hallelujah. We don't like the other term and the implications of it. Hallelujah. But what God is trying to speak through my spirit to try to encourage some people here today is that if you want to be on the side of a victor, amen, instead of a victim, then a lot to how you react to the way God, uh, the, way, the way the devil tries to threaten you and intimidate you in things will ultimately decide that. Now, there are principles within the Word of God that if we would use as guidelines, we would never be altered or upset by any threat the enemy throws our way. Amen. If you desire to be an overcomer and fulfill God's purpose for your life, then your reactions to the adversary's threats should never be ones of fear, disillusionment, or discouragement. The devil's good at making threats. And if you could learn one secret here, folks, do you know that the devil doesn't even have the power to, uh, to do all half the threats that he claims? Because God took his power away. Jesus defeated the power of the devil, amen, when he come out of that grave. When he came out of the grave while his body was in the tomb, his spirit was in the heart of the earth for those three days. He went down, hallelujah, walked through the gates of hell itself, amen, kept the keys of death and hell away from the devil and walked out, hallelujah. And we're running from somebody today who don't even own the keys to his own house. Think about that. Why are you scared of somebody that don't even have the keys to their own house no more? Hallelujah. He lost all control. Hallelujah. So Satan attempts to threaten you. Whatever. Most of it is bull and hogwash. The only power the devil can have over you is the power you allow him to take. If you don't give it to him, he don't have it. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And there are principles. In the Word of God, that if we'll take these principles and use them as guidelines, amen, then we won't get altered or upset by any kind of threat. I remember one time when I was a small kid, school bully, telling different ones, when you go home, afternoon, walk home, you better not go down such and such way because that's my turf down there. And anybody tries to go down that way, I'm going to take care of them. Well, you know what? He had about half, half the class scared to death over his threats. They wouldn't even try to go that way, even though for many of them, it would get them home quicker and go around the long way. You see, that's what threats are to intimidate you, to make you to believe something. Finally, 
Amen. There was a couple of us decided just to go on and take a trail on down through there, and guess what? He wasn't even there. He wasn't even there. Never had been there, come to find out. Never was there. All he did was make a threat, sitting in the corner laughing at everybody else because he knew he had about half the class running scared. And the devil does that the same way with God's people on a daily basis. But in the Word of God, there are some principles. If we'll use them as God's uh, guidelines, if you desire to be an overcomer and fulfill God's purpose for your life, then your reactions to the adversary's threats should never be ones of fear, disillusionment, or discouragement. Now, it's, it's my fervent prayer, and I, plead, and, and I use that word fervent. It's my fervent prayer that every child of God will mature to the place when Satan yells out a threat your way, that you'll react by standing up and yelling, <laughs> Hallelujah, I'm going to preach today. Is that okay? Hallelujah. Amen. I'm going to throw a Clint Eastwood moment here at you. It's my desire, amen, and I pray with a fervent prayer that everybody sitting under the sound of my voice, every time the devil rears up his ugly, stinking head and yells out a threat, uh, that you'll trust God enough uh, and follow His Word enough to stand back, uh, stand up, and yell right back at him, Go ahead, devil, make my day. That's an Eastwood moment right there. Hallelujah. That's a moment when he said those words. He made Those words alone made him enough money, more money than what the rest of us were making a lifetime. Hallelujah. Go ahead. Make my day. Hallelujah. Amen. And you'll find out it'll be the devil who'll tell him one because he ain't got the stuff to back up what he says. Jesus took it all away from him a long time ago. Hallelujah. But I want you to know greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And Jesus has got the stuff to back it up. Woo! Hallelujah. Glory to God. Go ahead, devil. Make my day. You best, as, as Brother Cochran said a while ago, when you go standing up against the devil, you better make sure you got the goods. Now, I'm talking to people who supposedly have the goods because <laughs> if you, you, see, you see stunts performed on TV and they'll give a disclaimer all the time saying, please don't do this at home. Don't try this at home. You know, there's been a lot of people, amen, tried to do those things that they saw. <laughs> but they wasn't prepared like the people who was prepared, amen, who they, what they saw do, do it on TV. So if you don't have the goods in your life, if you're not Holy Ghost filled, Hallelujah, you've never been born again. You stand up to the devil and say, go ahead and make my day. He just liable to make it. And you, you know what happened to you? You're going to wind up like seven brothers, the sons of Siva, who ran across somebody demon-possessed, who began to try to stand up 
and play a Clint Eastwood moment when they didn't have the goods. And they began to say, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I jurely. That same voice that spoke out of that, out of that woman, that, that masculine voice, spoke back to those seven boys. He says, Paul, I know. Jesus, I know. But who are you? Hallelujah. Somebody says, why do you do all the fasting and the praying and you do all the stuff that you do, Brother Sammy? Because I want the devil to know who I am. He didn't know those seven guys. He said, I know Paul, I know Jesus, but who are you? See, he ain't been enough of God for the devil, amen, to even know who I was. Amen. It, it ought to be your desire. It ought to be your desire that every morning when you wake up and you get up and you put your feet on the floor of the bed that the devil's in hell will say, oh, no, he's up again. Oh, no, she's awake again. I want the devil to know my name because if the devil knows my name, he's going to know not to throw some of the stuff at me. He throws at somebody else because it's not at me. He's coming against. It's at who's in me, and he understands that. Hallelujah. Praise the name of Jesus. I feel the presence of God right now. Hallelujah. Glory. You don't have to be intimidated by the devil, church. So, what are some of these principles? Now, I don't have the time to throw them all at you today. But I want to talk about a few of the principles that if we'll use as guidelines to live our lives by, when the enemy and the adversary threatens us in any kind of way, we can be an overcomer. The first principle is that we are invincible, invincible power over every enemy. Invincible power over every enemy. Look at your neighbor and say, you're invincible. When I was a kid, one of my favorite cartoons was Mighty Mouse. <laughs> Watch it, sister. <laughs> Mighty Mouse. Now I know a lot of you don't know who Mighty Mouse was, but you can you can go to the internet and type in his name and you can watch you can pick up some old clips and of the Mighty Mouse. Cartoons. I checked them out not long ago. Here he comes flying through the sky. Here I am to save the day. I'd watch the program, brother. Then I'd run. I'd run to the bathroom. My mama's cabinet. And I'd, I'd, I'd find the biggest bath towel I could, and I'd tie it around my neck and start flying through the house. Here I am. Hallelujah. Invincible. But I want you to know something. There's a, there's a principle of God's Word 
that every child of God should understand. If you understand this principle, then when the devil or some kind of enemy throws any kind of threat your way, you're going to understand that it's completely foolish to even give the second thought to that threat. If you're a Holy Ghost-filled child of God, you've got an invincible power over every, not some, but over every enemy. You have an invincible power. Luke chapter 10, verse 19, the words of Jesus himself. Behold, I give you power to thread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing, say the word nothing, shall by any means hurt you. Now, here's something I learned before I went to Bible college. These are words in red. Guess what? Spoken by Jesus himself. Amen? Now, you're all shivering and quaking over some threat of an adversary. Do you or do you not believe Luke 10 and 19? Oh, 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 I believe it, Brother Sammy. Well, get up and act like a true man or get up and act like a true woman. And when I say that, I mean a true man of God or a true woman of God. Jesus said, Behold, I give you power to thread, tread upon serpents, scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Now, the Scripture that I just read should all alone cause you to laugh in the face of any adversary who would dare threaten you, your home, or your family. I shouldn't have to worry about another scripture in the Bible. That one right there ought to do it. You ought to walk around all day like mighty mouse. Hallelujah. That right there is enough to win any battle, defeat any enemy. That one verse. One of the principles you get to use as a guideline uh, is how to react to the threat of the enemy is in the knowledge that Christ has given you. Look at your neighbor and point at him and say, you. He's given you. You don't have to wait for your pastor. Hallelujah. If the enemy's after you, yeah, yet on a threat on you, you better not wait on me. Hallelujah. I'm probably somewhere way down in Cheatham County somewhere. God has given you. We either believe that or we don't. And if we don't, what are we doing sitting here wasting our time? You're wasting your time. If you put in anything in else a while ago, you're wasting your money. If you don't believe this verse. Hallelujah. It's a principle. It's a principle that we are have the invincible power over every, every enemy. Do you really know or understand what invincibility means? Do you really have a clue? Because sometimes I don't think some people, church people, have a clue in understanding what the word invincible means. Jesus said in Luke, when he said that in Luke, he, that means he makes you invisible. That, that's what 
that, that verse makes you invincible against all power of the enemy. Do you realize that? Do you understand that? You ain't got a hold of it yet. You ain't really holding it to your heart yet. You are invincible. You've got the invincible power within you. You don't have to listen to every threat of the adversary. According to Mr. Webster, this is what the word invincible, invincibility means. Listen to this. Incapable of being conquered, overcome, or subdued. Invincibility. Being incapable of being conquered, overcome, or subdued. I went down a little bit further in the dictionary, and I came upon the word that says synonyms of this word. And when I seen this word, this is what made me think of Mighty Mouse a while ago. When I went down there and I scrolled down a little bit further under under the synonyms, the first word that popped up, bulletproof. Bulletproof, impregnable, insurmountable, invulnerable, unbeatable. Mm. Hallelujah. Glory to God. My, my head's not what's swelling up here right now, man. My chest is swelling. Hallelujah. When I think about this, and I read the scripture that I read to you from the words of Jesus in Luke 10 and 19. Behold, I give you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all power of the enemy, and nothing, 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 my enemy will hurt you. I made you invincible to the devil. I made you bulletproof. I made you impeccable. I made you insurmountable. I made you unbeatable. Oh, hallelujah. I wasn't expecting this anointing because, frankly, I'm going to be honest, as pastor, our service has been pretty dry today. Hallelujah. I didn't have much atmosphere to get this thing going. But man, I'm feeling it right now pouring down upon me. God wants you to be encouraged today. God wants somebody to leave this house with your chest stuck out. Hallelujah! And say, go ahead, devil, make my day. I don't know who he's talking to, but whoever it is, get a hold of it. Hallelujah! Unbeatable. Unconquerable. And the last one, unstoppable. Unstoppable. All those things is what Christ has given you just in that one verse. 
that I read in Luke, all of it is wrapped up in that one little verse. But you mean to tell me that Christ has made His body all these things, and yet we crawl into some corner somewhere and we fold up into a fatal position, whimpering and crying over an adversary's threat? Come on! It's time for us to wake up sometimes and realize how foolish some of us have seen to all of heaven. Our forefathers, the founders of our assembly, when we let something like a fire, amen, and and, and colds and money, oh, oh, amen, make us run to a corner and say, oh, no, we can't do this. We can't handle this. Hallelujah, glory to God. Amen. All our forefathers are looking at us and saying, I thought I taught them better than that. I thought I preached to them better than that. Dad, look at that stupidity down there. your corner, folding up in your fetal position and whimpering and crying just because some kind of adversary has yelled at some kind of threat. I didn't say an act. I said a threat. Because he ain't actually tried anything. He just threatened it. Think about it. The devil don't have to try anything. Or do anything because he's already got you running just from it, <laughs> just from the threat. Hallelujah. The prophet Elijah didn't even see Jezebel face to face. She sent a message to him. He he got an email. Hallelujah. He logged into Facebook. He got on one of them Mr. Messages thing. She wasn't there in person. Jezebel threatened. She never did do nothing. Didn't lift her hand because she didn't have to. Her threat did all the work. This mighty prophet of God who has raised who had raised the dead supplied a widow woman need with a barrel of oil never running out 
this man of God allowed a painted up Dixon Road looking Jezebel of a woman who is sitting on many of our apostolic church pews today put out a threat? Prancing around even in the house of God. Amen. All dialed up like the world. And everybody's walking around patting around the back and saying, Praise God, sister. Instead of letting them know her error. Don't talk like that, Pastor. You run some people out. It's time, the Holy Ghost said. Get it all the way or get out. Because if you ain't going to get it all the way, you're going to end everybody else. The battle can't won as long, be won as long as sin in the camp. You got sin on the pew. You got it on the platform. You got it anywhere else. Don't tell the devil make my day. He's going to make your day. We don't got more concerned about people's feelings than we have their souls. I don't never make somebody upset at me or mad at me enough to the point that puts them under conviction to make them change their life to where they'll miss hell. What good have I been to them? And the sad thing about it is, folks, this kind of preaching is despised even in Pentecost today. And you and you used to hear it. Every time you went to the house of God. You know what's happened? We've been watching too many of them cruismatics on TV. Oh! Look at all them charismatic women over on that TV. They all painted up and dialed up like the world, half naked in the church of God, letting everything but glory hang out. And look how they're singing and dancing and worshiping. If they can't do it, why can't we? i tell you why. Because you know better. And some people are, I got the crutch. Well, I know I, I used to, to live a little bit tighter. But I just, I don't, I don't feel convicted over this. I've had men come up and tell me, Pastor, you don't understand. My wife, she loves the Lord, but she just don't feel a conviction like that. I don't deny that one bit because she's done, done what the Bible says. She's done sheared her, her, her conviction with a hot iron a long time ago. The first time she took a step over the line, she felt bad about it. She even ran the altar and prayed and hoping nobody in the church really understood where she was going or going from. But now she ain't convicted now because you have gotten calloused and hard-hearted and even the Spirit of God can't penetrate you. I done got away from the matches. I don't know God is speaking to somebody right here today. That's why the devil's got half the church running scared. If we were living up the power like we should, we wouldn't let the devil run us from anything. Hallelujah. Glory to God. My God. Hallelujah. 
being intimidated. If you got the Holy Ghost, the only way in the world why you should be intimidated is just because you're not living up to the standard that you know you should be living up to. And then you, and then you ladies and sisters, younger sisters that's coming in who never have been in this thing, don't have enough older women in church still walking in holiness themselves to let the younger ones understand and know. I can remember the time that the older sisters, amen, would pull up some lady off the side and then exhort them and talk to them and, and give them an understanding about propriety. Lord God, you can't pull somebody off the side and talk somebody into living in something you ain't living yourself. Come on. How in the world could I get up here and preach to you about in, about adultery? Amen. If I'm out going out and having an adulterous affair with every woman around. Truth be told, that's one reason why some of the stuff ain't been preached in church no more. Because it's behind the pulpit. And when they get behind the pulpit, they get so condemned because they're not doing it themselves that they're too condemned to preach the Word. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You are in Invincible. You have an invincible power within you. You don't have to be intimidated by the devil. Here's another principle. Let me move on. Here's another principle that you ought to use as a guideline. Hallelujah. No weapon forged against you shall prosper. That's a principle. Why are you running from the devil's threat when you understand that he don't have a weapon big enough or mighty enough to take you down? Isaiah 54 and 7. You've heard this quoted a lot, but let me show you where it's at. Let me read it to you. Now, I'm reading this from the, the Holman Christian Standard Version. Isaiah 54 and 17. No weapon formed against you will succeed. And you will refute any accusation raised against you in court. Hallelujah. Remember now, this is the Holman Christian Standard Version. This is the heritage of the Lord's servants, and their righteousness is from me. This is the Lord's declaration. God declared this, not me, not nobody else. Why in the world should we have an ill reaction against the adversary's threat if you're threatened some kind of way? When you know and understand and you live by the principle, Brother Dallas, that no weapon formed against you shall work. You and Sister Brenda know a little bit about what that's all about with next-door neighbors who are ungodly. If, if, 
if, if it wasn't for that verse right there, y'all might not even be living where you're living right now. You may have to be like Festus and get out of Dodge. But the weapons formed against you didn't work. I just felt the veil open up. He got a presence of holiness in this house right now. You don't have to be intimidated by nothing. Because number one, He has made you invincible. Number two, He has promised you he has declared it that no weapon forged against you will prosper. God says, this is my declaration. This ain't something in the ABSC handbook. Or any other church denomination's creed. Think about it. We all the time talk about the weapons that God gives us. Jesus' name and the Word and all that. What are some of the weapons that the devil used? Well, the first thing that he uses, and he does that because he's a father of it, number one, he always tries to use a lie as a weapon against a child of God. Hallelujah. A weapon. A lie. Slander. Hallelujah. The enemy gets mad at what you're doing, how you're growing, how you're living for God. And so he pulls out a weapon and he forms. He says, let me form this lie right here. Let me slander them. Let me take their credibility away from them. I done found out a long time ago, I can't stop that short, legged, rounded, apostolic preacher over there on the Reading Street. He's too stupid to stop. So, I'll forge a lie against him. I'll slander him so his credibility will be hurt. And what it don't make no difference once his credibility is hurt. It don't make no difference what he preaches. Nobody will believe him. People start talking about him like we recently found out uh, a well-known past person through a tape that said something about another person in the past, about them being a phony. See, if they can slander you, if they can forge something against you, and a lie. But I also 
like Brother Dallas over here, I understand that I, 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 the devil can't intimidate me because he has forged a few of them against me. I never had, I never had a, long as all the, tw- the 20 years I evangelized, to my recollection, or it ever coming to me, I never had a lie forged against me. I never had a lie told on me all those years. But you know what? When I went to Kentucky, I started pastoring. I never forget. I hadn't. I wasn't been pastoring. I hadn't been pastoring six months. And man, there was a revival. People were coming in. Church had seventy members when I took over, and and within six months we was running a hundred and fifty every Sunday. Place was packed out on special occasions. They was hanging out, hanging out the windows on special occasions. We're close near two hundred. So I get a phone call one night after a, a powerful service came to me. It blew me away. I I, I just I, I couldn't believe it. Told Darlene, I said, I ain't never been lied on like that before. <laughs> if only I knew. <laughs> Hallelujah. What would come thereafter? But you know what? One by one, every time the devil tries the weapon of a lie, God brings out that verse. No weapon of a lie was going to work against me. Hallelujah. I've seen it fulfilled time and time again. And you know what? If it works for me, it'll work for you. Do you you hear what I'm saying? Hallelujah. It'll work for you. A lie. That's a weapon that the devil tries to form against God's people. Another one is a plot to harm or take you down. Any plot to harm or take you down. Any kind of plot. If the weapon of a lie don't work, then the devil will be plotting to try to harm you, to try to take you down, take you out. Listen, folks. Any time a threat is made, any time a threat is made, the adversary must invent a weapon of some kind to use to carry out the threat. First, he threatens. Then the threat don't bother you. So then the devil starts forming weapons so he can carry out. But God has already decreed before the weapon is made that the weapon won't work. I've got to hurry up. Listen, that ought to make you rejoice. When the devil threatens you and the threat don't work, then he's got to get busy and create a weapon. But I'm here to declare to you, before the weapon is ever made, God's already declared and decreed that the weapon won't work before even the weapon gets made. Go ahead, devil. God says, go ahead, devil, try to make a weapon. Have you considered my servant Job? 
Go ahead. Take your best shot at my servant Job. Oh, hallelujah. I'm feeling the Spirit of God right now. Go ahead, devil. I guarantee you, devil. Go ahead and make your weapon because you ain't got a weapon good enough that you can make that'll take out my servant Job. Let me give you another example just quickly. In the book of Esther, that was a man by the name of Haman who got a little bit of prominence in his kingdom. The kingdom that he was in, rather. He wasn't a king, but, but he, he was brought up uh, uh, through the ranks to the important place that different people used to bow, begin to bow to him. Honor him. But there was a Jew who was there, not by choice, but because he was one of the captives. Hallelujah. Come here. Come here, brother. Hallelujah. Come here, Paul. This right here is Haman. He's, he's got just enough clout in King Herasuerus' kingdom to make him dangerous. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You take a street sweeper and promote him uh, to, to dog catcher where they got a little bit more clout. Hallelujah. Come on. You know what I'm talking about. Well, this is Haman. Now, everybody else, when they walk by, when you just walk by and That made old Haman, he, he liked that, didn't he? He liked that. But here come, here come Mordecai, who had promised that he would never bow to nobody but God. Hallelujah. He wasn't going to honor no man more than God. Hallelujah. He walked by. How you doing there, hey? See that steam coming from the top of that head? Thank y'all, fellas. So Haman began to set a plot against Mordecai, but he was a child of God. He formed lies, but he made a plot. He even built a set of gallows looking forward to the day that he could hang old Haman. But what happened, Brother Bobby, to Haman and his gallows? He was the one hung on his own gallows. Hallelujah. Glory. See, Proverbs says, He that diggeth a pit for somebody else will fall in it himself. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Go ahead and do your thing, but don't ever forget what goes around comes around. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. No weapon for even a set of gallows. Hallelujah. Couldn't stop Mordecai. Woo. So, we going to run and hide just because the enemy threats? Haman... Got mad at Mordecai because he had refused to pay homage or bow down to him. He lied and he plotted against Mordecai. 
He even built a game, a set of gallows to hang Mordecai on, but he wound up being swung by his own gallows. Closing, God can supernaturally intervene on your behalf. Hallelujah. Don't worry about your, the enemy's threats. All but Brother Sammy, they're threatening to lay me off, and you know how the economy is. Don't fall in that same negative spirit that everybody this country's in. That's one reason why we're having a hard time getting out of it because everybody's too negative thinking. There's people that do have money to spend, but they're afraid to spend it because they're worried what's going to happen tomorrow. Hello? Fear. Oh, but this is going to happen. This That's going to happen. Understand that God can supernaturally intervene for your behalf. Acts chapter 9, verses 1 and 2, quickly. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. He went to the high priest and requested letters from him to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any men or women who belonged to the way, he might bring them as prisoners to Jerusalem. Folks, nobody was more threatening to the early church than Saul. And when I say Saul, everybody I think knows I'm talking about the man who became the Apostle Paul. He was a one-man army against the body of Christ. Many were murdered and imprisoned because of his misplaced religious zeal. But the prayers, the prayers of the saints caused a supernatural intervention which stopped his reign of terror. On the road to Damascus, God supernaturally shined a light down from heaven, blinded him, making him fall to the ground. He couldn't see naturally, but he could see spiritually. He made it to Damascus, but those people he was going there to arrest, he wound up preaching the gospel to them. Hallelujah. So church, God can supernaturally intervene. You, you, let, you got all kind of threats, physical threats, threats of sickness. You got bad doctor's reports. You got all this stuff going on. That's literally driving you up a wall. God has already said, He's decreed. You're invincible. No weapon against you formed shall prosper. And if I have to, if all else fails, I'll supernaturally step in and move on your behalf as long as your life is dedicated to me. So you see, there's a reason why that we should not play church, but really develop a relationship with God. Let's stand together.
If anybody feels the need to come pray, maybe you've been listening to some threats. Maybe you need to embrace some of the principles that the Word of God has. You don't have to fear. But what you do need to do is surrender totally into Him. Totally into Jesus. Well, I surrender. Say hey. 